0: Well, good morning. It is so good to see uh, all of you that are here and to have all of you that are uh, joining us online to, to do that. So as Ryan was saying, we're, uh, we're in our second week of this series called uh, Beyond Religion. And so last week, Ryan came and kind of what he set up is kind of this idea of what religion is and what we mean by moving beyond religion. And I want to go back to a definition Uh, that he gave last week. And by the way, if you didn't catch last week's uh, message, go back, catch it online, because it it was really good. uh, You'll see how it weaves into uh, this morning in this. Um, But uh, here's how he defined religion. And we're going to kind of use this uh, through this series. Uh, Religion is depending on our own resume for righteousness, right? That's whatever the works are, the list, the law, the code, whatever you're using uh, but ultimately, it's saying it's what I do, what I earn, you know, my behavior, and kind of like a resume, and 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 my righteousness is dependent on uh, that. Um, but moving beyond religion means trusting Christ's resume for our righteousness, right? That's the key difference. And so uh, Ryan unpacked that last week. And here's what I want to do is I want to. I wanna talk more to the how of that. So it's one thing to say, okay, I get that. And uh, Ryan gave us some ways to kind of step into that some, but I wanna go a little bit uh, deeper with that in, on the how side of what that uh, means. Because really what are, where it lands continually, if you look throughout scripture, it, it's gonna land at this place. A life beyond religion always takes you to a life of faith. And so what does it mean to live by faith, like rather than religion? Because moving beyond religion, ultimately that's the place it takes you. It it takes you, how do I live uh, by Christ's resume in all of this? And to do this, I wanna look at a passage of scripture found in Romans chapter four. So I wanna just kind of dive into this uh, passage here. So if you have your Bibles, pull out your Bible and look at, go to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 3. And it's Paul uh, who writes uh, all of this, and he's going to hearken back to some Old Testament characters, and we'll see why that is so important in here. But he says this, starting in verse 3. He says, What does Scripture say? Abraham, right? Here's one of those old uh, figures from the Old Testament. We'll look at him some more. Abraham believed or trusted God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin The Lord will never count against him. So he walks through uh, this thing about kind of this, uh, you know, this difference between religion. He talks about like earning this whole thing. And there's two things that come out in this passage that I just, I want to note here for a second before we move on uh, to the main stuff that I want to get at. Um, The first one here is Abraham is righteous because he lived by faith. Right, that, that is clear from the Old Testament, the New Testament, other passages here. And like just getting a hold of that becomes important. Secondly, um, notice how much Paul talks about uh, workers and wages and, and all of the things that we do to like earn or to succeed at something, to, to you know, accomplish something. Um, and what he's doing there is he's getting at the practical side. And he says all of that because there's just, there's this part of us that wants to assume or take on some sort of role where we would earn or we would achieve something that that we could hold on to as a sense of our own righteousness. Like there's a struggle to that that we have on the very practical side. And so if we're gonna talk about what does it mean uh, to go beyond religion, then like this becomes the practical side of what we struggle with. Because um, for a lot of us, we think about a passage like this and we think about it in those terms of like our salvation. Uh, Like I I would say as followers of Christ, we easily get that idea, right? I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve eternity just because of what I've earned. The hard part becomes in the day-to-day life, the how-to on the practical side, And we face this with lots of things, right? And faith does this to us. Let let me illustrate in this way. So um, back in high school and college, I believed that God was calling me into ministry. I went through this whole thing of, of just landing at this place where I'm like, okay, I think God wants me to go into ministry. I wanna be a mission. I wanna become a pastor. And so I started, I readjusted my education, my training, all of these things, because someday I wanted to be a pastor, right? And I got uh, to the very end of college, and I actually applied for a job at a very large church in Chicago, that was just this amazing church. And the thought of like getting to work there, this would be amazing. Um, I interviewed for the job and of course, like at first they're just like, so you don't have any experience and you're awfully young and like, they're like you're a giant question mark basically, right? Um, but then they're like, well, but we'll talk to you again, right? And so we went through all these interviews it, to the point it's just like, you know, I'm probably not gonna get this job. And then one day, right? Um, they call me up, and the the guy who would become my future boss says, you know, we wanna go ahead and offer you this job. And I was like, you know, I accept. And I just thought, I'm gonna be like a pastor, like a paid pastor, like a for real kind of pastor, right? This is like, this is the big time, right? And so uh, I had just gotten married, um, just finished up my last semester of college, Angie and I, uh we take her car up to chicago we sold my car because my car had no uh doors or windows or hardly a top it was an old jeep and we thought chicago winter doors windows let's go with the doors and windows okay so we drive up there it's like i have two days or something drive up to chicago with all of our worldly possessions in boxes uh in her little prelude and we get there like the day before i officially begin and you know i show up and i sign all the papers to become like an employee and like a pastor, and I'm so excited. And my future boss, or at that point, my boss, he goes, so um, I don't know if I told you this, but we're, I'm gonna have you dive right into our singles ministry. So one of the areas that I was gonna be helping with was the singles ministry. They had this massive singles ministry. It was like probably six, 700 people. And they said, and we're launching the ministry to starting tomorrow by doing this retreat. And so tomorrow morning, you need to get here a little earlier and pack your bags, which like uh, pack my bag, like we've packed our whole lives are sitting in the car. No kidding. Next morning, we showed back up. We spent the night in a hotel. We hadn't even gotten an apartment yet. We left everything we owned in the car, in the parking lot of the church for a week while we went on this uh, retreat as me starting my first day officially as a, as a, like a real pastor. And... And and it, all of a sudden, it went from this thing of like pursuing, wanting to be a pastor to saying, okay, I accept this. I will be this too. Okay, so now, now you are actually a pastor hired by a church. Now what are you going to do? And all of a sudden, it went from, you know, like someday to, okay, so now what's it mean to be a pastor? Um, it was the first or second day on that retreat. I walked into like uh, one of the cabins and they were nice cabins. And there was a guy that was washing his hands at the sink. And uh, we started talking a little bit and he kept washing his hands and kept washing his hands to the point that I noticed this. I was like, this, I, I don't understand what's going on here. And he noticed that I noticed. And you could tell, he's just like, okay, so like you're our new pastor. And he says, I struggle with OCD and I've never been in. And, and, he, and he started just... Asking me questions about this, and you could tell he had this struggle with it. And he said, "You know, like, what do you think God says?" And I have prayed about this, and I've tried to get past this. And all of a sudden, he is asking me all of these questions about how to pray about this, to what does the Bible say to this, about the you know theological implications, and well, how did, And all of a sudden, I was just like, "Okay, whatever else I thought I understood about being a pastor, I don't," because I was like, I. I didn't know, I didn't have an answer in that moment. And it like hit me. I've just stepped into something. And I am like learning as I go in this. Ever have a moment where you stepped into something major in your life and whatever you thought it was, you're just like, I. This, I, I, I don't know. I don't have all the answers here. I, I'm going to have to learn as I go. This is a little scary. Ever have that happen? Any of you ever have kids? Yeah, yeah, because there's moments of that and you're just like, okay, God, you did not send instructions for this with my kids, right? Or marriage, or maybe it was a job opportunity that, that it was a real opportunity. But as you tried to play out, do do I take this opportunity or should I stay here? It became more stressful than it was like this like super positive thing. And you're like, God, what do you want me to do in this? And I think there's a little something about this thing that we face as followers of Christ that it's, constantly through the New Testament. We are called not to live by religion or the law or rules. And we keep reading these things. The New Testament authors keep pulling us back to this thing, live by faith. And it's like, okay, I'll live by faith. But man, it feels like there's far fewer answers in this than that whole religion thing that seems simpler and more straightforward. And and that's because that's true. (laughs) And so what I wanna talk about a little bit here this morning is how do you live by faith, right? If going beyond religion means living in faith, means, right, I'm holding Christ's resume. I get what that means for my eternity. But Dallas Wheeler put this really well. Dallas Willard, he talked about the question we all uh, have heard before. And it's the question of like, if you were to die tonight, like, where would you go? Or how would you know that you're saved, right? And it's just like, because I hold Christ's resume, because Christ died, like, we know that, right? What I love about Dallas Willard is he asks the question that maybe we actually struggle with more. He said, maybe the question is, if I don't die tonight, what am I gonna do tomorrow morning, right? Right? What does it mean to live by faith? What does it mean to hold Christ's resume when you wake up tomorrow morning? What does it mean about the choices that you make tomorrow morning? See, that's the question I think that we wrestle with. And that's why I think Paul hearkens back to Abraham. And here's why. Let me give you just a little bit of background on Abraham. So, Abraham comes on the scene probably somewhere around 2100 BC. That is a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah, somewhere between 2000 and 2100 BC is when Abraham arrives on the scene and God begins this relationship with him. And we have so much of his story in the Old Testament about this. But here's here's the interesting thing to me. It's not for another six or 700 years before Moses comes along and we have the Mosaic law or any form of the law, what we would understand as the Judeo religion or anything of a religious notion with Judaism, the forerunner of Christianity, was six or 700 years away from happening from when Abraham happened. And here's why I say this. Abraham had no religion to turn back to right? So part of what you see with the New Testament authors is they understand this struggle we have between living by faith and going, okay, but I want a, I want a little religion. I, like, give me, I need some of that structure. I need some of those rules. That like, and we have the, we're torn between the two. And I think what uh, Paul does here by talking about Abraham is he says, let me talk to you a little bit about what it means to live by faith, and let's use Abraham, because that option just wasn't on the table for him. He didn't have that to turn to. And if we can begin to understand a little bit more about Abraham, maybe we can understand and have a picture of what it is to live by faith apart from the law in today's world. And uh, here's part of what he says. Look back at Romans chapter four. Look at what he says in verse 13. He says this, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring uh, received the promise that he would be heir of the world but through the righteousness that comes by faith. And there it is again, this Abraham never lived by religion, never lived by the law, because it didn't exist. There were lots of other religions around him. And we may talk about that a little bit here this morning, but he didn't have that. All he had was faith. You know, it like I think about that day I showed up in that camp uh, was in Ohio. We had a bus ride from Chicago all the way to someplace in Ohio. And I think about just stepping in that and it's just like, God, I don't know what to do. I like I, and suddenly it was like, I, I've got to step into this faith thing. What's the thing that you feel like you've got to step into? What's the thing where where you're looking for some something that you go, and that might be a little religious in there, but I'm 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 wanting that because I don't know what it would mean to go any other direction in this, to actually have faith in this. What's that thing? Because if you've experienced that, if you've been at that place where you're just like, I don't know what it means for tomorrow, then you can understand Abraham because that's how he started, right? He starts off, He is in the land of Ur, scripture tells us. And somehow God connects with Abraham in a way that Abraham understands. And he says to Abraham, I want you to follow me, and I want you to go to a different land, and I give you this promise. So when it talked about this promise, this promise, I'm gonna make you an heir to a great family, to a great nation, and that nation is gonna play out into the whole world. I wanna do something through the, uh, into the whole world, Abraham, and it's gonna start with you in community, and I'm gonna keep expanding that community out through your heirs until, uh, and he didn't realize this, but someday it'd be Jesus Christ would come in, and it'd be a gift for the whole world, right? And then God says, let's go, and, doesn't actually tell him right away that it's Cana. It's just follow me, right? And so off Abraham goes in this thing. But there are a few things that you see in this story that become really important. And there's one in particular that I wanna walk through this morning that I think has some practical application for us in how to live out faith ourselves. And and here's the main difference. Here's here's the main thing I wanna unpack this morning. It's this, religion focuses on being right, Faith focuses on growth. And when I say religion focuses on being right, think of the need to be right. Like being right, that's a good thing, right? But there's something about religion that rests in a security of I need to be right. More than being right itself, it it is that I can say that I'm right, right? That becomes what dominates uh, religion in there. And so to move beyond religion, uh, means that you've got to, you you have to find a way to move past the need to be right, and to actually open yourself up to growth. Um, and when we think about like the need to be right, right? We've all been in conversations, we've uh, seen someone, we've been in a moment where there was someone where you could just like, like that need to be right spiritually was so strong. It just came through in their conversations and everything. Like they made everything uh, like in a debate over theology or things. There was one time uh, I was watching a conversation take place In uh, you remember the, the bracelets that used to be really popular that were WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? And there was someone that was making a deep theological argument for why uh, like we shouldn't use those bracelets right it's asking a question and we're not in the heart of like you're asking a question what would jesus do but you're not jesus and so why would you ask that question we have these scripture verses that point to this this and this and there was a like three or four people that were trying to argue for like well, this is a good thing or whatever and this person just like was just like nailing them with bible verses right you know you've ever right ever watched someone just like instead of using the Bible as something that would draw people in and expose them to something new and create curiosity and draw them closer to God, it's kind of like, ooh, 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 like, you know, and it was just exhausting the people in this. And and the reason I know it was exhausting the people that were in that conversation with that guy is because I was the guy, right? Just in all honesty, I was the guy. And I had these theological reasons why, just like, you know, you need to think about it differently. And I realized, I look back on that now and I'm like, not proud of that at all, but it was the need to be right. It was the need to argue for my theological position in that moment, right? It just, it was less about trying to be open and growing than it was the need to be right. And there's something about religion that, all we, that hangs on to being right more than what it would mean to grow. And here's the striking thing that you see about Abraham in his life. There were so many things that he got wrong, right? His is not a story of a guy that held on to being right at every turn. He had no law. There was, there's never a moment where he just goes, I've got the law. This is right. Like, and this is what we're going to do. No, like, cause he doesn't have it. And so he steps into every situation going, okay, God, I, like, I'm gonna have to trust you in this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best in this. And he gets it wrong so often. And yet you see this constant growth in Abraham. Like religion never got in the way, even when he got things wrong because faith always pulls you towards Uh, growth. Let me walk through just a little bit, walk through an example of this with Abraham. So the promise that I talked about, right? He's got this promise that his heirs uh, are going to be, you know, the ones that are going to go on and create this great nation and all of this stuff. And so for him, like plan A is like his wife, Sarah, Sarah and he would have a child. it would be a male. And like, and we'll watch this son grow up and have this amazing family and tribe and, and nation, and it all happen. Only he and his wife couldn't have kids. And they start to worry about this. And it's like, we can't have kids. And so he comes up with this idea, like, how do I move forward? I know what I'll do. I'll give all of my inheritance over to one of my chief servants. And it'll be kind of like by proxy, I'll give it all over to him. And then like, and he just starts trying to manage this plan for God and this thing. And it's like, God's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it's gonna work. I need you to keep trusting me in this Abraham. And like, so he, and he does, he gets it wrong. And there's this beautiful moment where, uh, he, he has this whole plan laid out, and he gives it to God, how he's going to give it all over to this guy, Eliezer, who is uh, one of his servants. And I want you to read what, uh, or hear what God says in this. If you look, if you flip back to Genesis chapter 15, uh, there's a number of chapters in the book of Genesis where we get Abraham's story. But Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse four, this is how God responds to Abraham's uh. Plan, because Abraham's going to walk this out. I've got this, God. I'll work out the promise that you gave me. Here's how God responds. Verse four. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man, referring to Eliezer, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, and just picture Abraham like in this God moment outside with all the stars. Look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be, right? As many as the stars in the sky. Abraham believed the Lord and, it, and he credited it to him as righteousness, right? And we're like, like think, like, wouldn't you love to have a beautiful moment like that with God, where it's just like God says, okay, I know, like, let, let me redirect you in this moment. And God does. And Abraham trusts him. It's a moment of faith. And we would think at this moment in the story, it's like, end of story. Abraham trusts him, right? Okay, God walks it out. No, right? This is just one more step in a series of steps where it's like Abraham takes a step and he grows a little bit, but he still gets it wrong. Like his life is not built on getting everything right. His life is built on wherever that next step takes him. It's a step of trust. And where he gets it wrong, he remains open and letting God take him to the next place. You know what happens after this? Um, uh, After this, he still doesn't have a child. And he's like, I know like all the stars and everything. And I know what God said. I know how this will work, right? Sarah and I can't have a child. Here's what we'll do. Um, Sarah has a servant by the name of Hagar. I'll sleep with her. She'll have my baby. See, then it's coming from me. And then this will all work out, right? I mean, like one big happy family. Sure. Yeah, that was a great idea. Yeah. No, it was a disaster, right? Surprise, surprise, right? And yet here's this thing. It's this thing where even after that disaster, right? He gets it wrong, but he stays open. He keeps growing. And again, there are moments where he keeps getting it wrong but keeps coming back. And there's this pattern of growth that you begin to see in his life until there's a moment where a um, uh, miracle of miracles, Sarah and uh, Abraham have a baby, they name him Isaac. And, and it seems like all is well. And then there's this moment where God says, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, tells him there's a, there's a land that I want you to take him to n- nearby. And I want you to sacrifice him on an altar there. And we hear that. And that seems horrific and terrible and is, right? Now, just a little bit of background on this. This is at a time in human history in a very particular region of the world where this was super commonplace in all of the religions that were around Abraham. Um, uh, This, like, anyone hearing this story in Abraham's day would have went, oh, bummer, but like, that's common, right? Human sacrifice of your own children to appease your God, like, that was a normal kind of thing. Um, and, And here's what happens in this story, though. There's a point where in the story it says that God did this to test him. And most uh, oftentimes, especially it kind of in the modern era, we see this test and we frame out the test in a way that I think comes from a lens that is a religious kind of lens, not a faith kind of lens. Here's how the test, and and you probably have heard sermons on this. You may have even heard me say this way back uh, when at some point. Um, But here's what I'm coming to see and believe about this passage as I study scripture more. Um, At one point, I would have said, you know, this is a test. And here's the test that God lays out for Abraham. Will you obey? Will you be so willing to obey that you would sacrifice your own son for me? It's kind of a test of obedience. It's how how it most often gets framed out except for that just doesn't fit the situation. That doesn't, that would have been normal to the entire culture all around Abraham in that moment. And there's something little that happens at the end of this story that, that has kind of really pulled me in seeing this in a very different way, along with like the entire New Testament. But um, here's what I think is happening with this test with Abraham. It's not a test to see if he will obey in being willing to sacrifice his son If God asks, it is a test to see if Abraham will trust the character of God. Abraham, will you trust the character of God to provide a way to rescue your son? That would be radically different from all of the religions around him. Because see religion, right? Religion always tests a kind of obedience of whether or not you will be right. Faith is always asking you to trust the character of God, see? And so here's the beautiful thing. All of these things that you see where Abraham gets it so wrong, right? Moments where we'd go like, I could have even gotten that one right, Abraham, right? It's like he grows and he grows until now there's a point much later in his life or now it's like everything is on the line. And will he trust the character of God? Will he trust the character of this God that he has walked with sometimes well, sometimes poorly for all of these years in his life? And it's like, he has. It's like he's come to the place where he, it's like he's started to see and understand the character of God. at such a deeper level that he's able to trust him. Um, and the, the little telling thing at the end of this story, and for the sake of time, I'm, I, go back and read the story. I would encourage you to do that, but I'm, just for the sake of time, I'm not going to do that. But at, near the end of the story, he names this place, which was common in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, if something significant happened in a place, they would name it. And in naming it, you know the essence of what happened. Like there's places where someone names a a, a land or an area because you wrestled with God and it's named wrestle with God there. Or it's named a victory, you know, God's victory here. Or it's uh, named something along the idea of like, this is the place that you obeyed God. And he could have done that. In fact, what he doesn't name this place is like obedience to God. You know what he names it? God provided because that's God's character. It's like, I trusted God's character provide. Friends, when it comes to those moments where you don't know, right? You're at the moment where you hear about layoffs at work and you're like, oh my gosh, like, what am I gonna do? What, like, I don't, God, and, and you can't find a good answer in the Bible as to like what to do in that moment. It comes back to a life of faith is trusting in God's character. Will will my next move be something that is underhanded or deceitful that tries to protect me in some way? Or will my next move be a move of trusting in the character of who I've come to know God to be? Maybe it's a difficulty of what you're trying to navigate in your marriage or raising your kids and it's like, okay, and you're like, I like, I, like, I, like, I wanna turn to religion. I want, I want those fast answers that are just cut and dry. And God's saying, okay, actually give that up. And I, I want you to trust me. I want you to come with me. And it starts with trusting in God's character for how you move uh, forward in this. And in trusting God's uh, character, uh, may I offer just a, a, a few things here? One, in a real practical sense is uh, you've gotta let go of the need to be right. And that's something that can hook all of us. None of us likes to be in the place where we say, like, uh, like I might be wrong about this. I might've taken a direction and said, I think God wants me to do this and then later come to say, maybe, maybe I didn't go the direction God wanted. There's something inside of us that never wants to admit that, but can I encourage you to be open to that, to let go of the need to be right? Because funny thing happens, when we let go of the need to be right, suddenly it's like our heart and our mind become way more open to hearing God's voice about something else that maybe he's asking us to do or a place to go. Um, Second thing, right, that fits with this is learn to just say, I don't know. Moments, where, where that thing is in front of you, maybe it's, maybe it's over a spiritual belief, right? And there's you and a friend and there's this thing, right? and it, like, I, like I remember me in that conversation, I always wanted, you know, I, I wanted to debate, I wanted to argue, I'm like, this is what I believe and I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna force it in that moment, right? But how many times I wish I could look back and say, I wish I would have paused for a moment and just went, I don't know, that's a good question why don't we explore that? Why don't we look at the Bible? Why don't we pray about that? Why don't we, because there's something about the simple posture of saying, I don't know. I might not be right about this. That opens your heart and your spirit up to hearing God's voice in a unique way in your life. And then when you get to that point where maybe it's like, okay, God, you know, what do I do? Maybe you've been dating someone for a while and you've been on the fence. Is this the right person? Do I take the next step into this? Like, do we start talking about marriage? Do we, or maybe, you know, I need to, and I'm waiting for God to say something, right? And he's not saying anything. Maybe, maybe it's a change at work, and it's just like, you know, I feel like I've got to get out of this job. Like I, and, and it means going back to school. It means a whole new career. And you're just like, should I risk it? Should I step out of a job that's a good paying job? Should I put my family through this? Is that fair? Like, you've got all of these questions you're wrestling with. And you pray about it. And it's like, God? And it's like, you don't hear from God. And it's just like, oh, you know what? At the end of the day, the thing that you can always trust in is the character of God. It is to come back and say, what do I know about the character of God in the story of my life and the people around me? And how would thinking about the character of God help me make a decision in this moment? And watch how that begins to guide you. If you don't know what step to take, trust the character of God to guide you, right? There are moments, right, where you wanna just step back and just freeze. When in reality, like, like you can't just hold and freeze forever. Like there needs to be a decision. And find a way to trust in God's character. But here, here's what will help you trust in God's character. And this is the, one of the important things about living in faith, that is different from living in religion. When we try to do that living in religion, we get paralyzed because what if you make the wrong decision? What if you make a decision to take a step forward to find that it's the wrong decision? From a religious standpoint, that's always the end of the world. That's the place of shame and guilt. That's the place where you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I can't believe I stepped into that relationship. I can't believe I trusted that person, right? Maybe some of you, you stepped into a relationship. And you're just like, I think God is in this. You got into that relationship and it was a disaster that person hurt you or cheated on you or did something and it left you hurt and wounded. And now you're like I, like, I, like, I will not take a step relationally until I know for sure God's got to prove it to me. That's like, right? Religion leaves no room to make a mistake without heaping guilt or shame or hiding on you. Here's the beautiful thing about living in faith. Faith trusts the character of God to redirect you if you get it wrong, right? God says to Abraham, I want you to follow me to a new land. And he leaves and he goes from the land of Ur to the land of Cana, no, Terah. He goes like to the wrong land. He goes to the entirely wrong land, right? Different part of the globe, right? But that's okay. In the end, Abraham trusted God to say, if I get it wrong, You have the ability to redirect me and move me to like maybe where you actually want me to go. And what I would wanna say to you is trust God in that way, right? Even, and there can be consequences to bad decisions, but they're just consequences. It is not a God who's rejected you. For crying out loud, I promise you, Abraham made mistakes of a great magnitude and God never gave up on him, right? As Abraham kept coming back and saying, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. I know I got it wrong, I can kind of see that. It feels like I got it wrong in there, right? And it's like, okay, I got you. Let me move you the next step. And as Abraham continued to grow, he became one of the great patriarchs of our faith, friends. And God can grow you in amazing, amazing ways. Let me leave you with this reflection, this thought on the difference between religion and faith that kind of plays into this whole, uh, whole thing. And it's simply this, religion, and this is how you can tell the difference between the two in your own experience. Religion draws strength from fear. Faith draws strength from hope. And I don't just say this because I think it's a nice thing to say. Um, if uh, if you look back at Romans chapter four. Uh, Paul walks this out in Abraham's story. In verse 18, he says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. It was hope that kept motivating Abraham. At every turn where he got confused or didn't know, there was always this hope that, you know what? What God said he was gonna, I'd like to, God does have something in my life. And friends, God says something in your life as well. Hope, that's, that faith feeds off of the hope that you have in what God has for you. Religion, it draws its power on fear. What, like, it, gosh, if I get this wrong, what's gonna happen to me? What's God gonna do to me? Like, what, like oh, just, and it's this fear. You're motivated to move forward out of fear. Uh, uh, it's interesting, uh, uh, and let me just read this to you. This is found in uh, 1 John. The apostle John writes this. Uh, In chapter four, verse 18, he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love because fear, fear is where religion gets its power. It's interesting. Uh, Go back and read uh, Genesis uh, chapter 15. Start with verse one and as uh, Abraham is navigating this thing, uh, the first thing that God says to him in this is, it says uh, the word of the Lord comes back to Abraham and says, uh, do not be afraid, Abraham. I'll still keep my promise. And that fueled his faith. And so if you watch yourself being motivated out of fear, maybe, that is a good indicator to say, maybe I'm struggling to turn to something more religious here. But if you find yourself putting energy in something that you're hoping for, that might be a great indicator that you're activating faith in your life. I think back, to that argument I had, that debate where I thought I was defending the good name of God, that I was uplifting Scripture, and you know, th- debating over some uh, bracelets—that that, that I, like I missed the point, didn't I? I look back on that, and I think there was a little bit of fear in me of like, what if I don't prove myself? What if I'm wrong about this? What I I need to argue the point here? I think about that moment, being asked by a guy. Who said you're the pastor here? What, what do I do about this? What, what is God? And just all the fear that came in—like, what if I don't have a good answer for this? And and how it pushed me towards something more religious. But I also think about some very godly people that I was mentored by. People that actually pointed me in the other direction. I remember an elder I had when I was serving as a pastor in uh, Michigan at one point. And he was, had this uncanny way, his name was Jeff Davis, and he had this uncanny way of bringing me back to hope. Moments where, as a young pastor, I didn't know, he'd just be like, God's got this, even if you don't, Glenn. And, and what is it that God has put on your heart? What, like, take a step, take a step. And if God doesn't want you to go that direction, that's up to God to show you you, but if you're sincerely taking a step of faith, trust it, but trust that God will redirect you if it's not the place that he wants you to go. Maybe part of your journey can be actually finding somebody around you that can help you negotiate the difference between faith and religion in your own life, and help you negotiate moments where because fe- we're all gonna face fear. I still get afraid, right? We're all gonna face fear. The difference is, can I find a way in my fears to find hope, to find the character of God and to say the resume I have about Jesus is what gives me hope that God has purpose for me. And what does it mean tomorrow morning to trust him with my job, to trust him with my marriage, to trust him with my kids, to trust him with my health, to trust him with my friends. What would that mean? Because friends, you hold a resume that is of a God of such great character who has purpose and hope for you. Trust in that and you will find a life of growth. Why don't you stand? And I'm gonna close this in prayer here this morning. Let Let me pray. Father, we just thank you And I just pray for everyone here right now in moments, if there's someone here that's just struggling in a moment of not knowing what to do or how to step forward, that you would give them strength through the hope that you have for their life, that you would give them clarity of who you are, that would ultimately give them a way to look forward and to take that next step and that they would find you in that next moment. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.